Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, I believe this is our first episode from Japan, so I'm pretty pumped up. It's like 5.30 in the morning or something uh, Eastern time as we're recording, so not too bad. Uh, better than 2.30 in the morning, I guess, that when we record some of our podcasts uh, when we record overseas, so pretty cool. So with that being said, I'm going to introduce Kenneth Dor- Doria of Smoke and Blue Moon. How are you doing today, Kenneth? Uh, I'm fine. You can just call me Kenny. That'll be fine. Kenny, how are you doing today? All right, all right. It was a busy day, but um, it was a productive day, so that's good. Very cool. So, um, Kenny, how? Let, let's talk about this. Let's talk about your story. Like, how did you end up in Japan, number one, and in doing a food truck? So, let's I take your time, do the long version, but sort of what's your story and how did you end up in food in, in Japan? I didn't want to come to Japan in the first place, but I was in the military. I was part of the Navy, and um, I guess it was their idea as a cruel joke to send me to a place that I didn't want to go to, but it turned out great. And um, I was uh, in Yokosuka for right about three years and ended up staying over in Japan doing a few different things, music, teaching, and working with a couple different Japanese companies. One was a company that helped business start up, and also I work with um, another company that um, actually we did a lot of outsourcing for companies that were looking to do their own food business. So that's about how I got here and how I stayed over here. But um, food has always been a passion. I grew up with food. So it's just a part of my DNA, I guess. I um, always love to cook, always watch, you know, relatives, parents, um, anybody that I could. I watched their you know, the ins and outs in the kitchen and picked up what I could and made it into my own style. So I love this. So let's go back a little bit. So why the Navy? What was the urge there? Like, where are you from originally? (laughs) Okay, so I was born and raised in um, Joliet, a little outside of Chicago. And um, very cool. I was um, really into sports and art at the time, so my main focus was sports and art. So I I was um, always part of the football team and track and field. Those were my uh, main two, and I did um, a lot of art with um, drawing, painting, work with clay and chiseling and anything you can name art I, I did it so with that I had a lot of options to go so 
I tried the university route, but um, really didn't like my coach. <laughs> and so since I didn't like my coach, I was yeah. looking for something else to do. Yeah. And um, my um, friend had introduced one of the Navy recruiters to me who contacted me and um, we talked and he um, got me excited about the military. And after that, I found myself in the Navy in Japan. <laughs> and so let's like you never intended on even wanting to go to Japan, but now you live there. So what was the attraction for you to stay there? I mean, you left the Navy, obviously, and yes. uh, retired and then but you stayed. Why? Well, Japan has a way of um, sticking its claws into you and holding on to you. Um, it's probably one of the easier places to live in terms of um, being able to do many things without so much of a headache. And, you know, for me, I, I don't know about everybody else. For me, I, I really enjoy communicating with the people and you know, they were open to me, and I just fell in love with them. So here I am doing over 30 years in Japan. 30 years. Holy yes. crap. So, like, the thing with food and, and the enjoyment of food, did you cook as a kid? Like, let's talk about that a little bit. What what type of food did you enjoy the most growing up? Like, what do you remember? Like, where, where did this food, like, sort of passion for food, like, resonate or begin in the journey that's um oh man i think i came out liking food i was born that way <laughs> uh, so yeah i um things that really stuck with me um uh, growing up was um you know the everybody have um different Things, but um, Sunday dinners, um, the holiday meals, and you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, all of those, um, Easter, it was always something special. And um, I come from a big family um, three elder brothers, one um, elder sister, my um, youngest brother, um, he passed away before we had had a bond so don't really know him well so but um yeah it's a really big family so meals were special always special whether it was something simple like um you know fried chicken with collard greens and some cornbread and or you know if it's something spectacular you know with um three, four courses or something like that. It, it it was always a good time because family got together and we communicated over meals. And whenever we had time, if we weren't helping our father, we would um all usually help my mother in the kitchen. So it, it just grew on us. Yeah, I, think I, I love this. 
Like, what was like? What's your what's your favorite food, um, Kenny? Like, what's the food that like you think about the most, or that drives you the most, or maybe you can't even get in Japan. I don't know. I find that unlikely, but maybe it's possible. Uh, you know, um, growing up, it was always lasagna. Always lasagna. Um, whenever I could get lasagna, because lasagna wasn't something that you ate often, but um, when you got a really good lasagna, and you know, there's several different ways of um, fixing lasagna, but when you got a really good lasagna and um, just people around some nice garlic bread, that was um, pretty much all I needed, really. I was, I was satisfied. You could throw in um, a good salad with it or something, and I'm more than um, happy with that meal. Um, but as I grew older, I'm, I really love chicken, but I don't really need it fried. Um, I like um, smoked chicken or um, a rotisserie chicken. It's a um, that does it for me i am happy with that most days of the week if i can have it <laughs> but um living in japan it, of course the food varies i um eat whatever i can get whether it's sushi sashimi um tempura you know um one of the big things that they um have in the winter time is um nabes which you know uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with nabes, but um, usually it's a uh, pot that they um, they make a dashi, which is the flavor of the um, soup, whatever the flavor is. And then they fill it with different types of meat or fish and a bunch of vegetables. So in the wintertime, that's my go-to. I love this. That's your, that's your thing in Japan. That's your favorite food? Yes. Absolutely. So... Let's talk about your venture, Kenny. Like you get off, you're you're in the navy. You talked about all the jobs you did once you got out of the navy and in Japan. But what was it like? You're an expatriate, um, but you're familiar with Japan. Like, what was it like trying to find a job? Like trying to find what you want to do? I mean, you eventually find food, but what was that like as an American uh, being in a foreign country? Well, it could be daunting if. Um you weren't the type of person who, um, you know, grasped a little bit of the language because, um, I felt for myself, it wasn't too hard because, um, I had a real interest in the language. So I picked up the language pretty quickly. Um, and that helped me with most of the things that I wanted to do. And I tried doing the um gs jobs on base but it wasn't for me i wasn't really happy in it so i found more joy actually working out in town with uh you know the japanese public yes. and what was that like i, I mean you for you eventually ba basically are just like i'm gonna go try this outside the base what was that like for you lack of better words it was um really interesting because a lot of things 
that we take for granted, you know, like how we go into an interview and what we think an interview should be like, it wasn't like that. It was completely different. And some of the questions that were asked were different and yeah, let's talk you know. about those. What is that like? What were what was that like? Because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like it's a totally different experience. Yeah. Well, you know, um, a lot of times when you're going into a Japanese interview, um, you would think of like the general questions about your education and you know experience and stuff like that. But sometimes it's completely different where it's more, you know, what's your opinion about this style of um, business in Japan or how do you like um, how we um, actually go about conducting business here in Japan or what's your interest in um, this team or that team? You know, like, is this really an interview <laughs> or are you just becoming one of my friends? <laughs> so it, it was interesting and it also, um, it showed me that, you know, sometimes people think that Japanese can be too stiff or strict but you can see a different side of the Japanese culture by the questions that they ask. And they were truly interested in the little things like um, hobbies and stuff. So, and, you know, I had a lot of different hobbies with sports and music and everything like that. So they really delved into the things that I like to do, which made the interview um, even more interesting for me. So I like this. I think it's an important topic. One of the things that I think they're doing by unintentionally, they are friendlier, I agree. But I think in a way, they're checking the core values of the human, whether they match the business, whether they match theirs or Japanese tradition or whatever it ends up being. Yes. But there's something that they do there that we don't do as Americans and they can check the core values of a human in a way by by taking the time. It's not a process with them, it's an experience. That's how I would describe it. Job interviews, yeah. at least what I've heard and what I've seen, um, and what I've talked about when I was in my international MBA program and yes. from what I've seen. And um and I did work in a Japanese um shock absorber factory in India oh, okay. like while we were interning like we went there and learned what they were doing and there's Japanese model even those um, um, Indian population working there because uh, it was in yes. India but very similar mindset in the way they did things and standards uh, comparatively even though things aren't very high standards for manufacturing in terms of safety in India the Japanese did do lean production there with the with the uh, shock absorbers, and it was very that culture. And I heard a lot of stories and understanding from the corporate of the yeah. way the interviews were done comparatively to the the rest of the Indian organizations. So the stories are very similar, and I've heard it outside of that as well. But I just wanted to cement it for the audience that there's a very they are slow to hire in some ways and quick to yeah. fire, um, depending on like you really have to mess up to get fired but like it's usually a core value thing i find and that's something americans we don't do enough of we hire based on resumes and we fire based yes. on performance but yes. neither one is tied to core values or the essence of the human 
and I think it just gives a different perspective. It gives a longer tradition, and you generally, if you look at things that way and build relationships, you probably have your employees or your team members longer. Um, and you'll yes. see it. Over well, there. you know that's how they had the um, working in one company for life for so long. It's it's changed a lot now. People change jobs a lot more, but before when I came over, most of the people stuck with one company for life. And that was the, the big thing because of the core values. They actually look for people who could actually fit into the corporation. And, you know, it, it was more of a seamless fit. But then, um, you know, with more free thinking and, you know, people who want to try more things, of course, there's going to be a little bit of switch into that. But you still think maybe 50 to 60 percent of the people still stay in their job for the majority of their life it's crazy incredible it must be such a surreal experience to be like i don't even know like i like being abroad and i like living there for periods of times i can't imagine being 30 years somewhere else but i (laughs) am considering i have like 24 year business here at one time but i i get it especially right now i get the being where I am as an entrepreneur, I get that I don't have a lot of attachment or things holding me down right now. And, um, you know, and the urge to go do something like this. And I, it's totally respectable. I think it's amazing what you're doing. And we haven't even got into it yet. But I just, I respect the the entrepreneurial ingenuity that was already there. The, the urge to just stay and do something different and be someone different than what everyone else could be here in the United States. Like you went off yes. on your own, you did something on your own. You're, you're definitely different than a many, many Americans who get stuck here in America and we get stuck in our bubbles and we don't see the world and, and don't go enjoy it yes. or expose ourselves to it. So, um, will you talk about that a little bit? I mean, you were in the Navy. Did it expose you to the world outside of Japan as well? And has being in Japan exposed you to the world? Uh, yeah, well, I think that definitely was part of it because, um, usually, you know, for most Americans growing up, um, you know, through the 60s, 70s and 80s, we traveled, but most time when we traveled, it was America. Walt Disney World. Yeah, you know, so a lot of different places in America. So I was lucky enough to, um, get to like Canada and Mexico, but. You know, that's neighboring country, so it wasn't different. It, and a lot of the things, because of how we grew up, um, we already had opinions about how Canada should be, how Canadians would act and everything, and how um, Mexico would be. So when I joined the Navy and got a chance to go overseas, my first thing that I wanted to do was go to Europe. So when we um, got out of A school, that was uh, the training. So when I got out of A school, I um, had a list, which is called a dream sheet. And the first place that I put down on my dream um, sheet was um, Spain. Because they have a a base in Spain where um, I thought that would go right 
into a lot of the things that I like to do because I love the Spanish food and the Italian food. I love, um, you know, the different types of cured meat and everything like that. So I really wanted to go there. But um, the Navy had different ideas, so they sent me <laughs> the opposite way. So um, coming over to Japan was good because um, that took me out of my comfort zone. And I had no idea what to expect about Japan. Of course, we had the uh, little things like, um, you know, I knew karate. I knew um, some of the Japanese comics and, um, you know, their cartoons and everything growing up with them, like Speed Racer or Robotech or stuff like that. Um, but I didn't know much about Japan at all. So that made me thirst for knowledge. And so once I started thirsting for knowledge and learning more about Japan, I got a chance to go to other places like Philippines, Hong Kong, Korea, you know, Thailand and all the other stuff. So every place that I went, it, it left me hungry for knowledge. I love it. And I think that's the purpose of travel. I think that's why it's so important we expose ourselves to the world as humans is to see that, especially as entrepreneurs, like there's so many things going on in the world we can see that we can bring ingenuity to and make a business, um, even in America or in any country we're in. So I love this. So, so Kenny, that brings me to my next point, which is like, how did you get into a food truck and how did you, um, did you find the time to do it or did you were you, did you get into food when you first got in Japan so I think it's like a little bit interesting of like you really are a total food entrepreneur in a foreign country so it probably wasn't easy to get started so how did that journey begin well I um, started off I did a stint in uh, karaoke where they actually it was more really upscale and um they served um french food at the place and i was interested in the kitchen so i started out um working there as front staff but i was interested in the kitchen and i talked with the chef and he agreed to, like, basically take me under his wing. And um, I studied under him French and Italian. Okay, now we're so, talking. So Do you that, have a, was, you're um, being studied French and Italian in Tokyo or in Japan. I like this. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it was in Tokyo, the heart of Tokyo, um, a place called Asakusa. And I worked there in a place, it was strange because um, it's called Karnak, which anytime you think of Karnak, you think Egyptian. <laughs> but they were serving French and Italian food. So it was, um, you know, quite interesting. Most of the um, staff there was um, foreigners, except for like um, some of the kitchen staff. So you think um, the chef, um, the sous chef and a couple other 
people who were in the kitchen were um, all Japanese, and then they had um, a few foreigners inside of the kitchen also. So when they took me into the kitchen, maybe I was um, the fourth foreigner to actually step foot in the kitchen. And um, the chef, he was actually pretty young at the time. He was only, what, 32? And um, really interesting fella. And he took to myself and one other foreigners, and he actually started teaching us stuff outside of the kitchen. So we didn't have to actually go to work to, to learn. We could actually go to his place and learn. And That's really cool, actually. So, so that, was he Japanese, that, just out of curiosity, or was he foreign? Yes, also? he was Japanese. He was Japanese. And so what was he teaching you guys? Just uh, knife skills and things like that? Well, to get into the kitchen, um, there you have to show a, a bit of competency with the knife, and um, you have to know your way around like certain things, like the proper way of you know, cutting um, different vegetables and, you know, so because it becomes busy. And if he has to tell you a million times how to cut the food, then that slows down the kitchen. So you have to show a bit of competency there. So he basically refined our skills and... um gave us a better understanding of you know which foods in terms of vegetables fruit or whatever um would make for a better plate so even just the simple things of making salads if you know your way around and you can actually select the right food you know the right vegetables the right fruit and make sure that they're in really good condition sometimes people get stuff that's overripe and that also is not good and then you know for things that are underripe it's it's not good also so you really have to be able to select your food really nicely so going over to the um the different markets and learning which fruit vegetable fish especially fish because fish you can go wrong really quickly so just learning um those things really help our experience and the cooking was secondary because inside of the kitchen just being i think being in the kitchen and really having a thirst for knowledge you're going to learn but learning more of like um some things that people think that Maybe it wouldn't make a great meal or a great dish. And you learn, oh, I can actually use this properly. And it turns out really nicely. Because um, for myself, I'm still not a big sea urchin fan. But sea urchin is a delicacy. And I can see why people really like it. And that was one of the things. I love the, sea urchin, actually, but it is something that was acquired <laughs> taste for sure. Yes, yes. 
So it was one of the things that we actually learned and like, you know, uh, we could actually learn what's a good sea urchin and what's not so nice. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like, let's just give us an example of that because I think that's a cool skill. Well, you know, because um, certain things, like sometimes people go out there and um, they think the biggest sea urchin would be the um, best one. That's not always true. Uh, most time you, you want something a, a little younger because um, it um, tends to hold less brine and um, it has a more refreshing flavor, right? And, you know, um, cool. the coloration of them, you know, it, it's hard, you know, <laughs> when you're looking at a sea urchin, everybody, one sea urchin looks like the other, right? Absolutely. But, um, even in the coloration, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And then no one, no two sea urchins are the same, just like anything else. So no. you're, you're trying to, like, they're not replicable. That's what people don't understand. There's no piece of meat that's the same. There's no vegetable that's exactly the same. It's always, yes. that's one of the great things about being a chef and a culinary thing is you're actually dealing with different variables all the time and trying to make it yes. taste the same for the most part. Exactly. And, and I love it. So. I mean, what was that like? I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of camaraderie in this the restaurant um, with the gentleman you worked with and this other gentleman, I believe, yes. that you were also mentoring, that was being mentored with you. So, yes. like, like, what was that bond like? How many years did you guys work together? Because I think that, like, I don't know, one, you talked about the Navy, we talked about sports, there's a lot of male bonding, and I and I don't yes. mean this in any other way, but I think it's important as men or competitive men uh, to have that male bond, but so let's talk about that, what was that like for you? Because you're, I mean, I don't know if the other gentleman was American, but I mean, maybe yeah, yeah, the three of you are um, from different countries. gentleman from New York. And, oh, there um, you go. Yeah, so, but he, he had... Um, you know, he worked in different kitchens in New York before coming to Japan anyways. So he had, um, he had loads more experience than I did inside of a commercial kitchen. Right. So it, it was, um, nice because I think, um, we've always pushed each other to be better and just having someone there that you can bounce ideas off of and you know um learn different techniques because with that every even using the knife you know everybody holds the knife a little bit differently yeah it's true it's a, definitely <laughs> a skill and you've got to like you almost got to like rest into your knife like you sit into your couch that's yes. how i describe it and go on yes. i love this so it, it, all of that was nice because um, knives, it, and it, everybody might say that it, all knives are equal, but that's not true either. <laughs> so a knife that my friend loves to use, I might not like it because my hand's bigger. So it, it kind of feels a little funny. The grip is not the same. So, you know, um, that's one thing that you also learn through the um, working with different chefs is that when you go and select a good knife, you fall in love with it. It's, it's like um, your best friend because you're using it all the time. And so that knife fits your hand like, you know, a good pair of gloves. And 
it make you know if if it fits your hand perfectly, then you don't get tired as easy. And if you don't get tired as easy, you can turn out more food. <laughs> so yeah, it's exactly that. So, what did you learn the most from this experience with the mentor, uh, with with a, I guess also a friend. I guess he was a coach, yeah. a mentor, a friend. Um, yes. All of you guys, what did what do you feel you learned the most from that experience, or what values, or whatever that he instilled? Well, the the biggest thing that I took away is that um, food, great food, starts with great passion, right? So if you if you're not passionate about it, then you're not going to last long doing um, any type of food business. Because it's not the most glamorous job. Some of the tasks are really um, like difficult for most people because how how much do you want to peel like potatoes or cut onions or you know you know scale fish or do some of the other menial tasks that comes along with cooking but yeah yeah the humility passion, for sure yeah yeah so if you had that passion um all of this stuff it, it you learn that um it's the process and going through the process makes you understand the food better and once you learn to understand the food better you can create amazing dishes amazing dishes so I um I just love seeing what we can do with food. Um there's so many different things so even just the little different flavors, the flavor variations um you know, the sweets, the sours, the savories, all of those things they um matter so much and how you blend and match them it's it's just amazing. I get excited just talking about it. So <laughs> I, I love it as well. I think the whole chemistry behind it. I mean, chefs are chemists. I mean, you're chemically reacting food together and you're cooking it and you're changing its composition to come into flavor. It's kind yes. of a crazy thing. And, um, and you know, I think that if you look throughout history, there's like a thousand different times and, and recipes that chefs go through before they get to the one that they love. And no one yes. sees that. And no one sees that. There's a huge entrepreneurial ingenuity in food, even with the chefs, because they have to constantly, constantly try stuff. And it takes that 10,000 hours of practicing. And before you get a product right, or one that, that matches their persona, I would say, that that becomes who they are. Yes. And uh, which is the passion that we're talking about here also, because you then own it. So it becomes part of who you are. It's almost like a child when you get good recipes, when you have good food or you have restaurants or in your case now, a food truck, right? So how did you transition from there into the food truck that you're in now and, and why? Well, that's a good story because I started out there and I started to teach and I fell out of cooking for um, a business because I was um, teaching and I worked, um, I started out with um, Nova and um, teaching business. And Nova was uh, one of the Akaiwas, you know, the just the English language schools. And um, 
I taught business for um, Cambridge and a couple other places. And that was fun because I got to meet a bunch of people. But still, I would um, do different things like have barbecues or cookouts and whatnot for friends and everything. So I always had food still there. Um, and once I got tired of teaching, I went back to food. You know, I went back to my old fail safe, something that I'm comfortable and I really love doing. So it um, kind of fell into my lap at the time because um, there was a guy um, named, I think it was um, Nakashima, and he had a live bar restaurant that he was looking to. Um, pass on to somebody. He was ready to get out of the business and move on and retire. So he asked myself and my partner if we wanted to um, take over the jazz bar slash restaurant. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, that's, we can do that. And we took it over, and it had a, a French name, though he wasn't serving any um, French food. So the um, the name was, um, what was it, Aulapin Agile. Right, so it's something like the Leaping Rabbit or something like that. I can't remember the exact name. That's cool. But um, seeing as it had a, French name, I thought, hey, then we'll take it over and we'll bring in different musicians and um, I'll change the menu from, because he was doing a really Japanese based menu and um, but he also threw in a little bit of Chinese with it. So I changed all of that to make it more uh, French and Italian. And we um, went about changing the um, menu, and I maybe had, um, what was it, four different um, meat dishes that um, people really liked. Um, I had a, a steak, which um, I started with, um, what was it, a sirloin steak, but um, it was um, not traditionally fried or anything like that. I had a, a nice grill that I really loved and I grilled that. But um, to be a little bit different, it had um, garlic slices that were um, pressed into the meat. So the garlic just permeated. Yeah, I love it. That. So that was um, one of the dishes. Uh, then, you know, of course, I had to make up the sauce. You know, French dishes are all about the sauce. So we had the Absolutely. sauce. And, um, you know, I w went about making the menu um, French and Italian. And we did that. And it, it was going um, pretty good. The um, music side was a little lacking for us because a lot of the jazz artists, are not professional so you know they they play 
Um, some of them do make a living from it, but are not professional. So in that sense, they don't have as big a following. So that side kind of let us down. But we did a lot of other things to compensate for that by having different parties. We did tasting events and everything. So that was um, really taking off. And I thought to myself, hey, well, instead of continuing doing the music and the food, why don't we just concentrate on the food? And, and that, so, that that's what got me into the kitchen car side. Because we were when we were concentrating on the food, we started doing a um a couple different festivals where we had a tent and I'm doing just the food outside with the tents and everything. And it was nice, you know, you always get to meet um colorful people and the um organizers are interesting and you get to see a lot of different festivals that are going on so you you get to learn a little more of the culture than you thought that you knew already so from there i just took it a step further and i went in um decided to buy our first um food truck so uh is that what you're in now uh no i'm in a second food truck (laughs) okay so let's explain to explain this journey so what was the first food truck the first food truck um it was smaller um because i didn't know exactly um how the food truck would take off and um we started saying okay we'll start with a smaller food truck so we had a smaller food truck and we decided to um, concentrate on doing lunch more. So when I started with the lunch, I wanted to do something that was completely different at the time. So I started off with um, pulled pork, spare ribs, um, grilled chicken. um, And I was doing a lot of sandwiches, but um, people really wanted rice. So I started taking that and putting it over rice, and it started to grow pretty quickly. Okay, this is cool. So, like, this concept, like, it's American food kind of, right? I mean, I don't know how yes. to describe it. And, um, and like, it's and people are enjoying it in Japan because it's something different. Or uh, And explain this, like, what happens now? Because I feel like um, you're on to something. Um and so, like, like you went from French Italian cooking. Now you're putting American food. Like you're back to your roots, type thing. So, what is this yes. like for you? I mean, you're exploring new territory, obviously. But what was it like to start a food truck? What is it like to explore American dishes? Well, the um, like I said, always like the barbecues and everything. That's always been part of my life. So doing it for friends and family that's um just natural for me so i just thought okay why don't i extend that and actually use it as the part of the business because a lot of times when we did tasting events and everything like that i would lean heavily on stuff that i grew up with and you know i my um family we have a 
very, <laughs> you know, experienced because of my my father's family and my mother's family are from different regions of the states. And um, you get different cooking techniques there. And then so many people inside of the family, aunts, uncles, um, you know, cousins and everything, they actually are part of the food business. So you you get to learn a lot of different things. So, But barbecue was one of my go-tos. So I took the barbecue which um, is really American, but I changed it. So some of the flavors are not traditionally American. And um, I took um, some of the seasonings and some of the sauces that you would find here that are traditionally used in like Japanese cooking. And I worked with it and came up with different recipes that actually work and that um you know the flavor profile is different from what um, a lot of people are used to both american and japanese but it's um kind of refreshing for the palate and it's um i think it's a lot easier to grow comfortable with a lot of times for the japanese who aren't used to um strong flavors they think american flavors are too strong Interesting. And I um I like subtle flavor as well, but I do like French sauces, so there's that whole thing. And uh, yes. <laughs> so um the um like I'm gonna just ask this question. I mean, is it I mean, do you go through permitting? I mean in America we go through like permitting for food trucks and like yes. you have health inspectors and is it yes. the same over there? It's all the same type of thing. Um you know, it's um, it's basically the same. Um, each prefecture and different cities inside of the prefecture, you have to get licensed to actually operate there. Go through the um, health inspector. They ex- inspect your tr- um, trucks. Um, they make sure everything's up to spec. Uh, one thing that's a little bit lighter than um, America is um. You know, in America, the health inspectors sometimes just pop up on you, and they'll um, check you a lot. So in Japan, after you get your license, pretty much um, you're set. There are some occasions where the health inspectors will show up, and if you're not operating correctly, they'll shut you down. But for the most part, you're pretty set and then you know a lot of the things are easy to follow anyway so if you're running your kitchen correctly you shouldn't have any problems with it yeah i agree with that i was just curious just because i think there's people don't think about the differences the navigation's always a little bit different for every entrepreneur based on where they are even in the united states let alone in other countries so um as we start to wrap things up kenny like what inspires you where have you gotten inspiration from like why keep doing this every day what why get into a food truck after you've been in the kitchen um that's a good question you know what really inspired me was um how my father just did what mattered 
like um he did um different jobs but his main job he was um a carpenter and he um he did that part out of his joy for building things and but he instilled in us whatever that we do we try to do our best and if you're going to do something it should be something that you really enjoy and like to do so um i saw myself not liking some of the jobs that i was doing so i went back to something that brought me joy and even when it's difficult say after doing long events and you have to do the clean up and everything and it's not you know like i said it's not glamorous or anything like that but you kind of find um you know a calmness in doing these repetitive jobs just washing dishes and it kind of for me at least it um soothes my mind um it keeps me um being creative because nobody wants to cook the same thing always even though that you're um cooking a lot of the same dishes for people you always experiment you know you always come up with new things and that's the creative side like i said i was in doing art from maybe junior high up so i love to create things i love to experiment with um new flavors new tastes um i love reinventing old tastes like so example um i don't use macaroni for my mac cheese anymore so with that i use um yeah what a smaller you... penne cool and um you know a lot of people stick with a lot of the, like cheddar monterey jack and stuff like that but i um experimented with um gorgonzola blue cheese with it um you know different cheese flavors um some people you know like in america some people tend to put like bacon inside their mac cheese or something like that i um i like trying to do different things with it i don't want to have the bacon all the time i agree I, um, with you i like that a lot go on yeah so it it's um i think just being able to evolve that keeps me inspired yeah that i like keeps that keeps me going so where can they find you online kenny okay so um of course they can find me on instagram with smoke and blue moon um you can also find us on facebook um smoke and blue moon sm nk blue moon um actually i just stopped the uh, my um website because i want to redo it but there's a place um called base you can also look up under us at smoke and blue moon on the, the site called base b a s e 
And yes, just look for us there. And um, when I get a new website up, um, I'm sure to post that on Facebook and Instagram. What do you enjoy the most about what you do now? Oh, the people. <laughs> the people. You know, um, with restaurants, you it's um, you get your regulars and everything, but um, usually just in that area, and then every once in a while you get people coming from other areas to your restaurant, right? But with the food trucks, because you're in different areas all the time, you get um, different people who really enjoy to talk to you. And um, so, say a restaurant, if it's not an open kitchen, you don't get a chance to see the customers so much. Yeah, there's no interaction there. Yes. So, but with the food truck, the interaction with the customers is just um, wonderful. You get to build relationships with them. Um, I've had customers who've um, invited me to like different family members' barbecues or birthday parties or different events. Um, people um, just come over to just talk sometime, not even ordering food. It's, so the customers, definitely. Very cool. Well, Kenny, thank you very much for joining us today on the show. I really appreciate your time and us coordinating couple misses here and there because of the time difference (laughs) (laughs) with Japan and um, so I appreciate it and thank you so much for for what you're doing and thank you I'm definitely going to have you back on the show so I'll be reaching out again for maybe a part two in like a month or two because I have a lot more questions that I'll get into based on some international differences and things I just want to talk about and being who you are and uh, just some ideas that I've had um and questions I've had just based on this show alone. So I appreciate and thank you everyone for listening in. Uh, if you like this episode, please share it. You know, any entrepreneur out there who, who wants to sort of go out in the world and even outside the United States, you can see it can be done. Like it is possible with, with determination, the willingness to go learn a culture, learn the language, which we didn't even get to what difficulty what that was or if Kenny even had any experience in that before so we'll wait for part two for to learn all about Kenny learning Japanese and um, but if you want to find us we're on Instagram at Justin the food entrepreneurs you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts I appreciate all of you guys for listening in and, and the growing downloads and and the questions and everything like that and and everyone who's taken interest in it and and sharing it with other entrepreneurs. It's pretty incredible. So thank you, everyone, and we're out.